I'm having a baby. I got knocked up at the fair. That's all I got. Mama, I want to go home. No, you didn't. You're just not rhyming. The cadence isn't right. Okay, let me try. Mama, I put the seatbelt on my lap and muckle me in. Is that better? No. It's the dance moves. I was trying to dance as I was doing that. Yeah. Anyway, how are you? I'm good. Can we just finally get to something that has been bothering me for years? What's that? So you have the honor of having directed me several times in productions. Sort of, yeah. Well, no, you were the director and I was an actor. I know, but I've not. you've not really worked with me as a director on a formal play. I'm quite different doing that. Well, that's not where I was going with this. Okay. Now, in some of those productions, there was choreography and dancing. <laughs> yes. Would you say that I would rank in the top five? N- none of us did, because none of me included aren't dancers, but we. I think we did a very serviceable job. I'm sorry. I have to disagree with you. I was, I think... Hands down, I had to have been one of the worst dancers. You, I feel like you changed choreography for me because I couldn't do some of the no, things. No, no, you were fine. I have a new way of opening up like the, the narrative of each episode that I think would be a good thing for us to use going forward. What is that? Okay, I'm going to do it for you now. Just okay. let me prepare. Oh boy, here we go. Hey, Dan, you want to hear something weird? Uh, sure. I'm going to tell you the story of the ghosts of Dover Castle. See? I have to say that too. You say that. No, no, no. I'll, it, it's whoever's hosting the, that week says, "Hey, hey, Dan, you want to hear something weird?" You make that your thing. Fuck! I thought it was going to be fun. No, I don't like it. I don't want to be. T- <laughs> You're so friggin' disagreeable. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I love, I love that we're openly talking about this too with the listener. So. <laughs> I just that makes me giggle. All right, okay, that's one great. more time. I love it. One more time. Okay. Hey Dan. Yes. You want to hear something weird? Oh no, what? I'm gonna tell you the story of the ghosts of Dover Castle. It's the ghost of Amberlynn. No, it's not Amberlynn. She wasn't there, mm. but her husband was. Oh, really? Oh, is it connected to Henry? I don't know this castle at all. Okay. I'm going in completely fresh blank. A blank slate. A blank slate on which I'm going to write vigorously. It sounded sexual. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Okay. You're going to like this one, Dan, because it's steeped in history. Oh. Yes, yeah, I do like these. We're dipping the tea bag of history into the water. Now that sounds dirty again. No, it doesn't. Dover Castle, uh, the reason that it is so important in the United Kingdom, it is the shortest sea crossing between England and Europe. So at that particular point, there's only 22 miles to get to France. You can see France from the, the white cliffs of Dover. I see England, I see France, I see Dan's underpants. What? I don't even have the, cam- the cameras trained on my head. I know, but that's a thing from when I was five. Do you have secret cameras in my house? No, that would be horrible. Why? Why would I put secret cameras in your house? Well, I would just see those horrific goings on, those poor children. I was handsome at one time. (laughs) Okay, I want to tell you about this castle. It's great. This castle is where Julius Caesar first landed in Britain in the first century BC. Oh, interesting. It's that site. Hmm. The fort that predated the castle that I'm going to talk about was built actually during the Iron Age. It goes back that far. What, like what year-ish? I'm going to tell you now if you just shut up. 
After the Norman conquests of 1066, the Normans built a small castle on the site in order to help William extend his reach further into the south of England. But the castle that we know today that stands to this day was built by King Henry II in the 12th century. Okay. It's a beautiful structure. It features 14 guard towers, which is a lot, and an incredible amount of buildings and outbuildings. Now, don't freak out. I'm just pulling up. You always get upset. I feel like other podcasts are allowed to look at their computer screen and images and not get yelled at by the other host. Oh, yeah, that is pretty. It's very traditional castle. It's a very traditional British castle. When you would picture British castle in your mind, that's what you would picture. I love its location, though, and how it jets out on that point. Oh, yeah, and the view from the battlements and the towers Mm -hmm. is incredible. Mm -hmm. The Constable's Gate has almost always been the main entrance to the castle. The bailey is the heart of the castle and incorporates many different structures, including a great hall, some beautiful royal chambers, a chapel, a brew house, because of course it's the United Kingdom, a bakehouse, and of course stables. A couple things. So you said the constable's gate. Is this, I see like a long fortified walkway leading up to... It looks like the main battlements. Is that the constable's That's gate? That's the constable's gate. So this would be a tough castle to, to take. Oh, I'm going to tell you stories about that. Very, very interesting. So I mm. talked about the bailey, and the bailey is where the royal visitors would stay. And when the castle was in full operation, the bailey was a miniature village. Sure. You had all the foodstuffs going on there. Like yeah. I said, a brew house. There yeah. was everything. And, and that was common, too, because the water often was contaminated. Ale and things like that would be more, or wine would be more common to drink because the brewing process would kill, like the alcohol would kill a lot of the the germs, right? So I didn't know that. Yeah, and and they were watered down versions of what we drink today because otherwise everyone would be dead by twenty. Uh, but that that's one of the reasons why if you had money you drank that stuff because it was healthy. Oh. Water was gross. Ireland must have really bad. Well, everywhere did, and leave my Irish brethren alone. Okay. You've been warned several times and I'm just going to leave it at that. Dover Castle also houses many medieval tunnels that connect it to other structures. Cool. On the site is the Church of St. Mary in Castro. It's actually really beautiful. It is a separate structure that was built in 1000 AD and it is the oldest Saxon structure at the site. This old, wow. old I'm, chapel. I, I see it. This is, I don't know why I haven't heard of this castle. It's a before. huge tourist site. Now, yeah. If you're looking at the chapel, you'll see connected to it a large tower. That is actually a Roman lighthouse, which was attached to the church. Oh, cool. And that was built to assist Roman soldiers in making uh, the crossing across the channel safely. Neat. Yes. Oh, I love this stuff. Now, the castle is commonly referred to as the key to England because from the Iron Age forward, it was a critical military center. It is one of England's largest castles, and it is the oldest recorded defense position in the United Kingdom. So think about that. The oldest recorded position of defense in that whole country is this castle. Well, if you're going to invade this land... uh that land at that time, especially this would be the logical place to go because sea crossings were really hard. Sea crossings were still hard, even like the second world war. And that sea can be very turbulent there. Correct. And, and we'll look at the Spanish Armada was dashed trying to invading. They were, they should have, this is during Queen Elizabeth's reign, the first, uh, they very well could have taken over England. It would have been reinstated as a Catholic state and they got 
demolished by storms. It was, well, it's England, rains a lot, stormy. So this is the logical place to attack because you have the shortest amount of sea to traverse. Exactly, exactly. In 1216, King Louis VIII of France and a number of rebel barons got together and sailed across the channel and attempted to gain control of the castle. And I love this story because this is the kind of shit I would do. The cunning English people tunneled out of the castle because it's that white, the white cliffs of Dover, very easy to get through. Do you need some time? I'm shutting my phone off because people, I'm getting texts and I don't want, they're bothering me. So I'll have to say that all again. Sorry, no, it was distracting me and I had to get rid of it. So the cunning English tunneled out of the castle and then attacked the French from behind. I'm sorry, but cunning English, again, that sounds dirty. No, they were smart. No, the word, it sounds like you're playing on words. So the English were very crafty and sneaky and tunneled out of the castle and then attacked the French from behind. Imagine this, you're trying to scale these cliffs, attack a castle, then all of a sudden you look behind you and a whole huge army has suddenly appeared behind you and they nailed them. They were so they had no idea that these secret tunnels existed. They were just chiseled at that moment. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? I didn't say they took tunnels out. They tunneled. That's crazy amazing. Yeah, but it's very, very malleable stone. It's ch- chalk, I guess, as well, maybe? Magnesium, I think, as well. Okay. The White Cliffs of Dover. So mm-hmm. they were defeated and nothing happened. In 1480, the castle was modernized by Edward IV. Then Henry VIII had the castle repaired during the 1500s, and he even visited the site and spent some time there. However, the tunnels that had been hastily dug, uh, as I just mentioned, were abandoned for the next 600 years. Wow. And they were reopened and used in the 1800s, at which time Dover Castle underwent massive renovations in response to the Napoleonic Wars. Oh, and at that time, Dover was transformed into a garrison town. I never actually knew what a garrison town was until I did the research for this podcast. And it's basically a town that's there to serve the war effort. Mm-hmm. Napoleon Bonaparte actually attempted to take the castle. I had no idea. I didn't either. He was thwarted by the British Navy and the mission ultimately failed. Apparently okay. the British Navy had their shit together. Yeah, they were the, the, the reason why they were the largest empire in the world. Yeah, the Navy was unstoppable. Yeah. The tunnels were then again abandoned after the Napoleonic effort for 100 years. And finally, in World War II, the tunnels were again transformed into a military command center. Electricity and communications and radar equipment were added to the facility. And the exterior of the castle was modified to house anti-aircraft guns. Oh, cool. Many of which remain to this day. So if you go to visit Dover Castle, you'll see the um, there's the round structures that were built to hold anti-aircraft guns. And there's a couple of them still there. Yeah, so you can go and visit them. those. Now, this is interesting. This is very interesting. The Army, the Navy, and the Royal Air Force were all headquartered at Dover Castle during World War II. Interesting. So all three arms of the military mm-hmm. were all working there together in concert. Now, Dan, you're going to like this. Dover Castle is most remembered as the headquarters for Operation Dynamo. Do you know what that is? Uh, No. Okay. Well, Operation Dynamo was spearheaded by a gentleman named Admiral 
Bertram Ramsey. And that operation resulted in 338,226 Allied soldiers being evacuated from Dunkirk during a nine-day period in 1940. Yeah. That was Operation Dynamo. I had no idea how much thought and planning and execution went into getting those soldiers out. I don't know if you know this, but the original intent of Operation Dynamo was to save perhaps 30,000 to 40,000. That's right. At best. But by day three of the nine-day operation, they had already managed to rescue 70,000 troops. That's pretty incredible. Over 700 boats of various sizes and shapes were used in the effort. It is truly one of the most remarkable military rescue efforts in history. Still to this day, it hasn't been rivaled. What, what's fascinating about it too and incredible is not just military boats. To be clear, this was a combination of military craft and... Civilian. Civilians taking their freaking little yachts out and yeah. picking up four soldiers and, and heading back and heading back and heading back and heading... Like they, they... It was incredible. It was a real act of bravery and some argue one of the reasons why the English were able to stay in the war because that they had lost their entire expeditionary force it might have tempted Hitler to cross an attack. Brilliant, brilliant military effort. Throughout the war effort, the tunnels were increased, and these new additions were known as the Annex Levels. And they featured living quarters, command centers, hospitals, and even operating theaters connected to those hospitals. Now, in 1960, the tunnels were updated to house a regional seat of government that could be used in the event of a nuclear attack. Because, of course, we're, you know, in the middle of the Cold War. Mm -hmm. Now, just to give you an idea of the scale, there are over four miles of tunnels beneath Dover Castle. Wow. Four miles. Holy shit. So what that that's like uh, eight kilometers. Yeah. That's insane. I know. It's just a labyrinth of tunnels. It remained at the ready throughout the uncertainty of the 60s when the threat of nuclear war was at its greatest level in history. And that's, of course, again, as I said it earlier, the Cold War. And the entire complex was kept on the secret military list until it was abandoned and basically decommissioned in 1984. So that is the history of Dover Castle as a military installation. It always has been, it always was until 1984. And that's the end of your episode, I guess. That's it. That's not weird. It was just a history lesson. Well, I'm so glad to know more about Operation Dynamo. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, have you have you seen the movie Dunkirk? Yes. It gives you it gives you some of that what it would have felt like, right? And to anyway, I didn't know that it was that was hatched here at Castle Dover. I have never heard of Castle Dover. And no one so has like ever that. been able to take the castle. It was un, it was basically untakeable. Well, I'm surprised that the Germans didn't bomb it. I guess it was too, you know what? It was probably too strongly defended. Well, and also, remember, it was all in the tunnels. So what was the point? Right. It was all in tunnels. Yeah. And the entrances to the tunnels were, were, were all, there was separate entrances that were uh, apart from the castle. So if they bombed it, they wouldn't be taking anything of value out. Right. And they, they would have lost a lot of aircraft. And they may, I mean, they probably did, but they might not have known, at least early on in the war, they might not have known that this was a, a command center. And also there was a lot of anti-aircraft equipment. Yeah, that's what I mean. It'd be a heavy price to pay for a symbolic gesture. Well, and London became that too. Anyway, I digress. Okay, so here we are at Dover Castle. It's a military installation. So of course, tons of people have lost their lives there. 
it's seen some bad shit go down. Because like I said, although it has never been taken by force, a lot of battles occurred there. A lot of blood was shed and a lot of it in really bad ways. So people who visit the castle always unanimously say there's something a bit off about it. This is most prevalent in two locations where the royal royalty was housed, but also the tunnels. Oh, of course, though, the tunnels are creepy as fuck. I've seen tons of video footage of them and they are curved. Oh, interesting. They're claustrophobic. They're damp. They twist and turn. They're just really unsettling. If I was to go in the tunnels right now, uh, I, you know, with 30,000 people, I would find them unsettling. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at them now. Yeah. Yeah. I would want to go down there. Some of them look really dingy. Yeah. And they're, they're spooky. Of course, uh, this is sort of the kind of um, manifestations that everybody has reported. Voices and whisperings and cries heard during the night. Visitors to Dover Castle and specifically the tunnels have also heard sounds of various military activities. So ghost echoes. Interesting. And they hear shouting, the sounds of battle, the sounds of gunfire, the sounds of marching, and also the sounds of military drumming. And these are heard in locations throughout the tunnels, but also in the castle proper. Doors open and close of their own volition. Cupboards open and close of their own volition. Objects fall off the walls, lights flicker, the, all of the sort of top 10 things that you would expect at a haunting of this nature occur there. Also, of course, the requisite sudden drops in temperature. I was going to ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> of course, right? Uh-huh. Ooh, it's suddenly very cold. Which could easily be explained if you're in those tunnels. I'm sure there's cold spots. I'm sure they're cold. It's damp. It's very, yeah. very damp there because you're right near the ocean. So these tunnels are perpetually yeah. damp. All right. So I'm going to tell you now about some of the um, specific kinds of ghosts and some of the more specific well-known ghosts that have that people have encountered okay people have heard the scream of a man falling from the upper battlements but they never hear the thud of the body just the scream as he falls but never the thud of the body Mm. and then they rush out to see because they were like oh my god someone just committed suicide or fell and there's never anybody there what's that noise that it's the scream of a man falling that's in like every movie. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, ah! Yeah, and it, it's called, it has a funny name. It's in like hundreds and hundreds of movies. So, okay. Movie sound, man falling. Why do they use it? Why don't they make a new one? Uh, it's called the Wilhelm Scream. The what? The Wilhelm Scream. My favorite scream of a falling man is at the end of um, Die Hard. Wait, oh, well, that's what, maybe one of the ultimate de- uh, villain deaths because he's, uh, you hate his guts so much. I know. And it's the perfect death. What's, what's the actor's name? Uh, he was Snape. Yeah, I love him. Oh, I can I never remember his name either. Okay, hold on. Snape. Oh, God, I'm going to be editing this for the rest of my life. He was in Truly Madly Deeply. He dead. Yeah. Alan Rickman. So the, that death in Die Hard is, I think, one of the best deaths because not only does he realize he's lost, 
but that he's also about to die. Alan Rickman's face as he's falling. Oh, and you know, it's going to be bad. It's going to be a bad death. I love it. Yeah, that's, and then his scream. He just, he, he, he lets, he just lets out a big wail as down he goes. In a room at Dover Castle known as the King's Bedroom, the lower portion, just the lower portion from the waist down of a man has been seen walking through the doorway and then abruptly vanishing, disappearing into the wall. Like it's been dismembered? It's like been cut right in half and nobody knows why the body is incomplete. They've checked all the historical records as much as they can and there's no record of anybody being cut in half that way. You know what that makes that reminds me of? What? Pixar Onward. Have you seen it? Yes, of course. When they summon the boy's father and all that appears is the legs because they, do, they don't do the summoning. Oh, okay. Charm. And that's the whole movie. It's just their dad's legs and they're trying to get them whole again. Okay. Well, there you go. Maybe that's the, the, maybe there's, there's the story right there. This one's good. A stretcher that's part of a wartime exhibit has been known to race along the corridor of its own being propelled by unseen hands. Huh. I love that image. Just just a stretcher just barreling down the corridor trying to get you. Who's seeing these things? Tons of visitors. Do people live there still? No, no. It's a tourist attraction. Okay. So it's a, it's a business. It's a tourist. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, the, you know, the London Conservancy, blah, 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 whatever it's called, the mm-hmm. British Conservancy. It's under their control. Okay. And so it's a big tourist site. You go, there's guided tours, all that kind of stuff. And I'll tell you more about that later. Similar to other historic sites of importance around the world. Oh, yeah, we have them here. You know, castles, you go and everyone's dressed up and blah, blah, blah. And there's a gift shop. Always a gift shop. Always a gift shop. Yeah, there's always a gift shop. Please exit through the gift shop. Exactly. I love the idea of that stretcher, though. I think that's good fun. That's creepy. Yeah, just, you know, there's almost this stretcher just bare. Because stretchers are creepy anyway. Anything medical is creepy, but this thing barreling down the corridor. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lone, sad soldier in wartime fatigues also once appeared to a small boy and begged his help to locate Helen. Oh. I know. And nobody knows, again, who this gentleman was and who Helen was. We can only assume it was his probably wartime sweetheart. So this boy would have seen this on a tour? Yes. Wow. Now, the most famous ghost and the most well-known ghost at the facility is the Headless Drummer Boy, which is a Christmas classic. (laughs) The Headless Drummer Boy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, okay, so here's the story. There was this 15-year-old young military guy, kid, I guess he was in the military, named uh-huh. Sean Flynn. And he was sent from Dover Castle to the village of Dover to deliver a large sum of money during the Napoleonic War effort. Now, during that time, a couple of very unscrupulous guards, uh, soldiers, got wind of his mission and they waylaid him on the road. He was caught by them, roughed up, and eventually decapitated. Oh. And they stole the, the purse, the, the large... Why would they send a large sum of money with a poor boy? Because he, was, he, was, he would run. He was running. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, they, uh, it was a secret mission, too. Nobody knew about it. But these two unscrupulous guards got wind and chopped off his head. Now, he has been seen by tons of witnesses walking the battlements without his head. And his head isn't tucked underneath his arm or evident in any way. It's just not there. And he has a drum. 
and his drum is often heard playing at various locations throughout the castle. So that's that military drumming, perhaps. Yeah. I just did the Bugs Bunny version. And that would be used in battle, I think, to help coordinate the movement of different sections of, of uh, the army. Is that what the drumming was for? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just for show. Bagpipes and stuff, I think, were to inspire, to motivate. Yeah. But I think the drumming actually meant different things depending on what the drummer was doing. Oh, that's they actually had so a purpose. codified. And they had the flags and stuff like that. To, yeah. One psychic that visited the castle reported that Sean, the ghostly drummer boy, missed his mother and wanted to oh. be reunited with her. The psychic then assisted Sean in crossing over to the other side. Oh. And no one has seen him or heard the drumming since that night. Very cool. I know, and you know how skeptic I am about shit like that. Skeptical I am, but apparently this happened and the drummer boy is no more. Hmm. I wonder if he, his head went back too. I wonder if he's reunited with his head. Well, his head's probably not... Where he is, his corporal body is probably not very important. Yeah, I guess. Poor kid though, eh? 15. Yeah losing your head another very well-known ghost is a woman in a flowing red dress dress a woman in a flowing red dress she washes it in a wash basin that's what i was yeah, just I know, gonna right? say Fuck. <laughs> wash basin <laughs> a woman in a flowing red dress haunts the west stairway of the old keep She's been seen by dozens of people. That would people. creep me out. She's one of the most well-known ghosts. I'd be okay with the headless boy. I would be okay with the stretcher. I mean, I wouldn't be okay, but that I would piss my pants if I saw that. It gets better. First of all, she glides, but she has no facial features. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so her face is blurry and undefined. Yeah, you can't. You can't really tell. You know what that reminds me of? What? The haunting of Bly Manor. Yes. Okay, yes. Right? Yes. As as time goes, you, your features and the start memories. to dissolve. Yeah. I love that oh, show. That is horrible. And a lot oh of witnesses. Oh my God, that's terrifying. I know, I know. The idea of, you know, a girl without a face. Okay. And many witnesses report that her appearance is accompanied by crying and sobbing deep grief sounds. She's also been spotted in what's known as the mural gallery. And this is at the top of the keep. And this is where there's all this art on display. Interestingly enough, that same mural gallery has also been the site where a mysterious male figure in blue has been seen. Hmm. Maybe they were star-crossed lovers. Maybe Hmm. something happened. Well, at least she's not sinister. No, she's not sinister, but she's extremely unhappy. Now, a male ghost, this is another one of the top tens, a male ghost dressed in early 17th century garb, including a wide-brimmed hat and a purple cloak, has been spotted in the basement of the keep, and he is known as the Cavalier. Is he wearing buckle shoes like I used to own? Probably. Yeah. And stockings, probably. The Cavalier. Yeah, he's known as the Cavalier, and he's he's lovely to look at. Apparently, the, the hat's beautiful, and he's got this beautiful purple cloak. They've also reported that he has long, wavy hair and a mustache. He's also been encountered in other parts of the castle, including the road leading to the castle. So no one knows, again, the history of the Cavalier. Now, I should mention something important. 
People who are ghost hunters and love ghost lore have poured over historical records to try to identify these people. They have not been able to. So this is some mysterious cavalier. Nobody knows who he is. Well, it's been around for such a long time. And to get that type of written record maybe would be tough, especially if people are dying in battle. And this guy's from the 1600s. He's wearing 17th century garb. So he's from the 1600s. So, the, right. you know, not not huge into record keeping back then. Not that kind of record keeping. Yeah. So, and I mean, he's just one cavalier. I'm sure hundreds and thousands of cavaliers died in, in, that, in that century. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he's very well known, the cavalier. Uh, there's a section of the tunnels known as Hellfire Corner. And anybody you know who's a ghost hunter, who's who's been studying the lore of the hauntings at Dover Castle will know of Hellfire Corner. It's a hot spot. And many ghosts in uniforms that are obviously from World War II have been seen moving about in that area. The ghost of a 17th century, it's always a 17th century, mm-hmm. pikeman. And in case our listeners don't know what a pikeman is, a pike, it's a long thrusting spear and it was used by infantrymen in their attack. And he haunts a guard room at the furthest end of the tunnel, so very remote location. And he's described as carrying his pike and having also a heavy helmet on his head. He moves quickly across the room and vanishes into the walls. In that section of the tunnel's hellfire corner, you hear the loud sounds of banging doors and footsteps routinely. Now I'm going to tell you some true stories that people have have actually experienced there. A tour guide was conducting a tour of the facility with about 20 guests. And he'd reached a room which is known as the repeater station. And the repeater station was sort of the telecommunications hub at the castle during World War II. It's still there and it's, it's protected by velvet ropes, but all of the equipment, the radar equipment, all of that kind of stuff, it's all there, mm. all lit up. So you can see it. It's actually, I want to go just for the historical. I I really would like to go to this castle. Yeah. Yeah. You see all of that stuff from World War II. The guide, while he's giving his spiel, and the way that Dover Castle works is the guide will bring you to various locations and then a recording will play. So he's triggered the recording and you can hear the voice. I've actually heard it. It says, like, this is the this is known as the repeater room, blah, blah, blah. It's a, you know, somebody doing a voiceover explaining the history yeah. of the room. So while he's this is playing, the guide looks over and sees that one woman looks very upset. And she backs away and then suddenly falls to her knees. About a second or two later, people help her to her feet. She gets back to her feet and she's, she says, no, I'm, it's okay. Sorry, people. I'm fine. I'm fine. Then at the end of the tour, the guide goes over to say, you know, are you okay? What happened back there? Well, she confesses that she saw the figure of a man in military uniform standing at the far end of the room. And he is working very carefully with some of the electronic equipment. So she had assumed at the time that he was just an actor in you know, and he was part of the tour experience that he's just wearing a costume and sort of, you know, adding color and drama to the, uh, to the experience. However, he suddenly turned around and began to walk very purposely towards the group. He walked right up to her and threw her. What? Yeah. And at that moment she collapsed to her knees. Oh my God. She said she felt a cold, a sudden cold and she fell to her knees. So he just kept coming and coming and coming and walked right through her. Wow. Wow. And two days later, she gave birth to a submarine. What? I'm kidding. Was it that haunted submarine you talked about? I loved that haunted submarine. (laughs) It's still out there, sunk on the ocean floor, just waiting to gobble up souls. 
I to- I've told you this story before that when I was hired to haunt the old jail mm-hmm. and that was my job was to like for people to s- spy me down the hall dressed as an inmate from like 150 years ago. In your buckle shoes. Yeah. <laughs> but that was fun. That was a lot of fun. That story went nowhere. No, it's just the, what she saw. Like, sorry, I guess what I was trying to say is what she saw. That's she thought she was seeing was, was someone, something like that. Yeah, no, no, it was. Yeah. it was a phantom, a ghost, a spook. No, that was a, a that was with the uh, the haunted walks of Ottawa, and they have they have them everywhere. If you're visiting Canada, if you find a haunted walk, because they're across the country, I don't think they're in the states. They're in the no, they're in the UK. I was just there, and they have a haunted walk. They have a haunted walk for Jack the Ripper. Is it the same company though? No. Right, because I've been to one in Edinburgh. It wasn't it wasn't the same in the no, same. No, but haunted quality. walks are kind of universal now. All right, can I continue? Yes. So another tour group was again at that same place, the repeater station. And this particular time, the guide notices that a girl is talking to someone who isn't there. She's a young girl too. She's about fifteen. She's standing having a very animated conversation with dead air. The girl's father is standing at her side watching and nodding as the conversation progresses. The father then turns around and abruptly exits the repeater station. The guide pursues him because people are not allowed to wander the tunnels alone because it's super easy to get lost. Because like I said, it's four miles of tunnels. So the guide chases after him and asks him to please remain with the group. The father later explains that what he had actually seen was a ghost in the repeater station. His daughter remains quiet and appears to be completely preoccupied and upset. So the guy decides to question the pair further at the end of the tour. Can I can I ask a clarifying question? Did when he left abruptly, did his daughter stay talking to this thing, or did she leave with him? The daughter stayed. Oh, where? Okay. So the father then explains that the ghost identified himself to his daughter as a man named Bill, who was killed while assembling an amplifier rack. And he is a restless spirit. And he just wanted to have some contact with a human being. Now, again, the people who crawl over historical records have done so. No record of a man named Bill has ever been found. Mm. And they should have records because it's World War II. Yeah. Yeah. But they yeah. couldn't find any record. Now, that's basically the big ghosts. I've said the lady in red, she's huge. A huge, huge, hugely well-known ghost. The drummer boy the Cavalier, and various people in military fatigues, very mil- various people from military activities in World War II. So, Dan, this is probably one of the most visited haunted sites in Europe. And they have all kinds of excursions. At Halloween, you can go and stay over. This has been visited by every frigging ghost hunting television show and YouTube channel out there. And it's the usual yeah. You know, I don't have to explain it. We've talked about this a million times. Yeah. They go in with their equipment and they check it out. But there's also some more professional ghost hunters have gone in there too. Like, you know, um, TV shows on the BBC and stuff have gone in. And sure. one uni- uh, universal feeling about the place is there's a lot of paranormal activity there. And that makes sense because it was the site of military activity and wherever there is that kind of military activity there's death and there's death of people who should who should have lived long lives they're they've been cut short right and so there's a lot of restless ghosts but i'd love to know who the woman in red is i'd love to know her story and that poor drummer boy all he was doing was delivering money and they cut off his head 
Mm-hmm. So the ghost hunting expeditions, it's almost too much. It's one of the few stories that I've ever looked at where I kind of think it's almost a little over the top. There's so many ghost hunting and they really have capitalized on the fact that it's known to be haunted. So they have like ghost tours where the people are dressed up in, in to look like, you know, old timey ghosts and stuff. They remind me, all those shows remind me of that, you know, when you're watching a bad YouTube video where there's a cool title that brings you in, reels you in. And then it's nine minutes of them like building to this moment when they could have just told you or shown you in the first minute. I agree. Bullshit. And and then what's worse is when the payoff isn't even worth like there's shitty. Well, it's always that green camera too. that like the Buffalo Bill camera in um, Science of the Lambs. Yeah, it's that infrared camera and night vision. Yeah. Well, that's it. So you all these shows I've watched, you know, I'm not into them. Which is strange, eh? That could we do this show and... Because they're all the same. They're all the same and there's never any payoff. Exactly. There's been some weird things caught on camera for sure. I shouldn't ta- say that as a blanket. Nothing's ever been no, caught No, 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 no. But most of these places don't catch anything. Or like, like look, that ball moved an inch. It, stuff like that. That's right. And when they're going, these productions are going to these haunted sites, they never find well, it. Well, and if you look online, you'll see a ton of pictures of ghosts at Dover Castle. But we all know ghost photography, whatever. I'm just going to say whatever. Right. You know, there's a picture of a ghost that apparently followed a family around the whole time they visited there. But we'll just leave that out there for you to decide, dear listener. And it may be that technology can't actually pick up that stuff. Exactly. It's more of a psychological operating on another level. Like, I don't want to come off as too judgy about it because I, you know, I really do want to believe. We've said this a million times. But I just find the ghost hunters leave a little bit of a bitter taste in my mouth. No, I think that's fair because just just because we are critical of things like that and uh, and maybe ha- hold some disbelief, you know, we're we're critical and we are maybe even a little. I'm a little cynical when it comes to some of these things, but I feel like for us and in this show that makes it better because the things we're presenting, we're not trying to fool anybody, and we're we're using critical thinking and presenting our stories and the, some of the our best stories are the ones where it's like i just you don't like how is that possible you know one of my favorite ones was the, the you know some of the stories you've told me have really stayed with me for various reasons my favorite one that you told me was when that huge radar tower moved yeah um the um um oh what's the name of the uh i don't care what the name was it's, it's immaterial well no but we can throw that to people Somewhere in Long Island, right? Yeah. Montauk. Yes. Yeah, the the episode on Montauk. And again, a lot of that was fantastical. And I think we even presented in that episode. Look, a lot of this is probably not true. Like the Philadelphia experiment stuff. I don't care about that stuff. I care about the thing moving. That was weird, or the or the photo of that weird dog, beaver, yeah. demon dog. That that's odd. I just love the idea of this giant, like three ton, or I don't know how much it weighed, thing moving inexplicably because there's no machinery that can left in the facility to make it move, and it moved. Now, a story like this, it's the wealth of wit- eyewitness accounts. It is a creepy building. It's like the Wicklow County Jail, where cool history, lots of sad spirits maybe you know but you know what this castle what a fucking wealth of history 
Mm-hmm. It goes so far back. We're talking like the Napoleonic Wars. Mm-hmm. We're talking, you know, when I, I mentioned the, the King of France and these rebel barons tried to invade it. There's been so much military activity. That's why it's known as the Key to England. I mean, it's just been such an important installation throughout history. The things that that building has seen, you know? You know uh, what the uh, Key to Canada is? Okay, uh, that is... The story of Dover Castle. I've told you the ghosts that are the most well-known. I could go on and on because there's a thousand witness statements about, Mm -hmm. I saw a small child. I saw this. I saw that. A soldier touched me. You know, I woke up. I saw this. I saw that. No, no, I'm not saying soldier touched me in an inappropriate way. No, this woman was walking through the thing and she felt a hand on her shoulder and she turned around and she saw a soldier. Because I was at the Banff National Springs once, and a soldier touched me oh. to go into the hot springs. Is there a hot springs there? Yes. They overlooked like the Rocky Mountains. It's beautiful. Because I've been yeah. there. Yeah. I don't remember it's like that. The, it's an old touristy thing. Okay. Okay. So what do you think of Dover Castle? I would really like to visit it. Yeah, see, me this too. This is another place that I would like to go and just to see for myself. I've never seen a ghost. I have never felt a ghost. I've never had a experience like that but i would love to go because i'd love for it to happen to me you should see the view from dover castle too not only of the ocean but also in the other direction of the village down below because it's quite high up it's beautiful gorgeous beautiful and very british an extremely british location hey listeners out there i know we have quite a few from the uk if any of you have visited the castle tell us about it i want to hear yeah, I'd love to, uh, you know, I've only ever been to London in England and um, I've been to other parts of the United Kingdom, but only London and, and old England. So I'd love to go to those places. Uh, and you know what would be fun is to do something like that and then visit other places, collect stories oh, and I stuff know, like that. Oh, I know, I know. Right? It'd be Long-term really goals. Do you know where I want to go next time I go to England? Bristol. Yeah, it's exactly one of the places it I was going to It looks amazing. Say. It's all like restaurants and very artsy and fun and cool. My friend who lives in London, um, who was in Game of Thrones, oh, yeah. has told yeah has told me that his second favorite place in the UK outside of London is Bristol. Does he still live in London? Yeah. yeah okay. He's coming to visit in uh, three weeks. Yes, he's a nice man. He's a very nice man. For folks who want to know, he was the White Walker in, uh, in Game of Thrones. Like the White Walker. Yes, the original. Anyway, Dan, uh, we're at the 50-minute mark. I think that's sufficient. Uh, Like I said, I could have gone on more about this ghost and that ghost, but no, I wanted to to mention the primary fantasies, but also the fascinating history of what might have caused all these manifestations to be be condensed and, and, and remaining in that location. So that's all I got. Folks, we'd love that you join us on our uh, weekly adventures into the weird and the unexplained and the extraordinary. All we ask in return is that uh, if you can, like our podcast, if you want to throw us a good review every now and then, do so. I got to say, too, before we go, I love that we're getting comments and banter on our various social media platforms. I love it. It makes me feel good. It is. Uh, and some, some of those comments, of course, are, are messages that uh, people send. Some of those messages, of course... I have no idea what they're... People send us weird things that have nothing... Like that thing of emojis the other day. I don't even know what... I didn't respond to it because I'm not sure if that was a person doing something nice or weird. Or pocket dialing and just... Yeah, I don't know. So I just left that one be. But we do love hearing from you and uh, we very much appreciate your support. If, you know, Riley mentioned uh, rating and subscribing, which is, of course, very important. Uh, We value your listenership and that's what's keeping us going. 
the one thing that we can do. We don't ask for any money uh, for this show, and I'd like to think we never will ask for money. It will never be a requirement to listen to the show. I really don't want to go go down that route. No, but what you can do is spread uh, the word of the weird with your friends, your family, co-workers, uh, just to let people know, because that is how uh, I think that's one of the the ways that we're growing our show. We have a very limited advertising budget for this. This is all out of pocket for us. Uh-huh. And one of the things that we're hoping to do is attract enough of a base that we can start to, um, you know, approach sponsors and, and make sure that this thing continues for years to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, again, thanks for joining us on the ride. And we'll see you again next week with a brand new story of the weird. I'm Riley. Have a good night. Goodbye, everybody. I'm Dan.